1: All right, if you were going to start a show, that's the song I want to start the show. Sons of the Sentinel. That's from KK's Priest. The Sinner rises, rides again. Uh, KK Downing's a new uh, band called KK's Priest. Welcome to the algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer. Hope you're having a great uh, Sunday evening or whenever you are listening to this uh show cuz of course you can download it as a podcast whenever you feel like it. Um that is some good stuff. I've been uh, d- you know delving a little deeper into this album and uh, it is classic Priest. He's got uh, Tim R- uh, Ripper Owens uh as the lead singer who replaced Rob Halford in Judas Priest uh when he left the band for a number of years in the 90s and early 2000s. So uh good stuff if you're a fan of Judas Priest, you're definitely going to love uh KK's Priest. Uh, this new album from them. It is just absolutely fantastic. Now, uh, tonight's edition is a best of. I had a couple of days off earlier this week, just didn't have time to put together uh, a full new show. So coming up in 10 minutes, a replay of an interview I did back in March with Jim Cook from Sam Adams as they were releasing their remastered Boston Lager. And then in 20 minutes, a replay of the interview in two parts that I did with Matt Barbieri from Two Ton Brewing. They celebrated their five-year taproom anniversary this past weekend thought it was a perfect time to replay this interview if you missed it the first time so enjoy that but we do have some news and notes to get to i've been talking about this ad nauseum i'm going to continue to talk about it until it comes up westfield hops pouring in westfield new jersey it's saturday november 11th um the tickets are on sale now and if you're listening to this tonight and if you uh go and purchase tickets before midnight, which means sunday night uh october fourteenth uh if you use the word uh, code word "fall" at checkout, you save fifteen bucks It's pretty good uh six p m to nine thirty p m on saturday november eleventh westfieldhops dot com is the website. Uh, for more information and to purchase tickets, going to be a lot, gr- a lot of great New Jersey and some national breweries as well. There, uh, Senor Sangria will be there as well. There'll be food. There will be music. It will be a fantastic time. You absolutely do not want to miss it. Now taking place Friday, November third uh from uh, five to nine p.m. at Mudhead Brewing in Wildwood, New Jersey, a huge event to benefit uh, the Habitat for Humanity of Cape May County. Live music, raffles, exclusive merchandise. You can sample twenty different beers from participating breweries like Angel C L Works, uh, Bear Brewing, Bucket Brigade, Cape May uh, Mudhen, many more. Plus, the debut of all ten Smash IPA variants, uh, uh, which is called if the beer, uh, uh, which is called if the beer, the beer that built the house. Tickets are 35 bucks a piece. Uh, there is a QR code. I have not seen a website, uh, but as soon as I get that information, I will certainly get it over uh, to you. And that's cool, helping out Habitat for Humanity, uh, which is, you know, always a good thing. Now, here's something really cool that I did not know about. And as usual, I get an education from the great Garrett Oliver of Brooklyn Brewery. Um, they have announced the launch of Phonio. I guess it's called Phonio. Fonio Fono no Fonio it's probably Phonio. Fonio Rising a distinct and delicious craft beer made with the climate resistant ancient western african grain phonio, meticulously brewed in collaboration with purpose driven food businesses Yole whose mission is to bring underutilized African ingredients like fonio to global tables. Fonio Rising Double Pilsner, which clocks in at 6.4% ABV, an invigorating golden lager that exudes a robust and crisp profile featuring vibrant tropical fruit notes. The beer is available at Whole Foods market stores across the United States now, and it will be in Brooklyn Brewery's Williamsburg-based tasting room. Known as the seed of the universe, fonio, a grain in the Millet family which has thrived in Western Africa for over 5,000 years, has gained significant attention recently for its exceptionally nutritional profile and culinary versatility, even recognized as part of the UN's declaration that 2023 is the year of the Millet. Garrett Oliver explains, no fertilizers, no irrigation, no pesticides, no insecticides, no fungicides, nothing. Whether you look at it from an environmental perspective, a social benefit perspective for the farming communities or from a brewing perspective fonio is so good that it seems like someone must have just made it up but fonio is real and africa grows 700,000 tons of it every year fonio is easy to brew with gives beautiful flavors to beer it's this is very exciting stuff and i can easily envision a future where fonio is widely used as an everyday brewing ingredient bringing vast benefits to brewers beer drinkers farmers and the planet now th- what sets fonio apart is its ability to flourish in areas where other crops struggle in arid regions near the Sahih Desert um, the hi, this highly nutritious and gluten free grain thrives in nutrient poor soil without the need for fertilizers or pesticides. Remarkably drought resistant, fonio helps regenerate the soil within a short two month growing period, resulting in bountiful harvests and providing a vital source of income for rural communities in fonio farming countries. Fonio can play a key role in our efforts to forge a sustainable, biodiverse food system that addresses the effects of climate change. This beer fonio rising. It'll be sold in four packs of 16 ounce cans, and again, as I said, uh, available at Whole Food Markets across the United States uh, starting now. And there's a Whole Foods down the street for me here in Lower Manhattan. I am definitely going to check this out. This sounds like a beer uh, that I would like to drink. I love pilsners, but I would am interested to see how this um, this grain, this seed, um, works in beer. Pretty cool. So kudos to Brooklyn Brewery for doing that. Finally, um, and if you hadn't gotten in on it by now, it's probably sold out. But what Firestone Walker does with their Brewmasters Collective Beer Club, believe me, if I lived in California or one of the states they ship to, I'd probably plunk down the three, four hundred dollars for the membership because what they give you for the membership is so absolutely worth it. First of all, Firestone Walker does absolutely amazing barrel aged beers. If you haven't had one of Firestone Walker's like Parabola, um you know all of these different versions of parabola and all the other uh, their anniversaries, all these different things that they do. If you haven't had one of them, you see it on tap somewhere at a bar. Absolutely, get a pour. If you see a bottle of it, twelve ounce bottle of it somewhere, absolutely purchase it. You will not be disappointed. Uh, it is fantastic. So, the twenty twenty four, excuse me, edition of the Brewmasters Collective Beer Club. Uh, Gives you a welcome kit and 21 small-batch barrel-aged beers, as well as numerous exclusive membership benefits. Um, There's also limited collab beers made with Weldworks, Frau Gruber, Omni Polo, and Revolution in Chicago. FirestoneBeer.com is the the website. It runs until capacity is reached, but I can guarantee you by the time you hear this, uh, it is probably sold out. Um, So here's the deal. Uh, the Brewmasters Collective Beers will land in quarterly curated collections that include custom merchandise and pairing experiences. The annual prepaid membership cost is $399 plus tax and shipping, or $425 if you do it in installments. You can pick up the beers at Firestone Walkers locations in Paso Robles, uh, Buelton, and Venice. Uh, this is four years now, so this is the fourth year of this. And if you live in certain states, they will ship it to you, but they don't ship it to New York or New Jersey. Um, it totals 21 beers, four seasonal collections, including nine member exclusives. Each collection will feature five barrel-aged beers along with curated merchandise or food pairings. This is uh, unbelievable. So you get um, the in the welcome kit, which ships in January, you get a blended ale with amambura and coffee aged in bourbon and chocolate bitters barrels. And then you, you also get your membership card exclusive merchandise, which is a club exclusive. The first collection um, ships in quarter one. You get Parabola, an imperial stout aged in 12-year Elijah Craig barrels. You get Para Pajamas, an imperial milk stout with cocoa, vanilla, and marshmallow. Raspberry Wild Ale, an American wild ale fermented with raspberries. You get the Weldworks collab, barrel-aged imperial stout aged in Parker's Heritage whiskey barrels. And still loading a barrel-aged blended barley one. That's just five different beers that you get in the first collection. And it goes on and on and on. And I could go on and on and on about this. But this is amazing what they do. The membership also includes 15% off all purchases, including beer, merchandise, and dining. You get access to member tastings and events at Firestone Walker locations. VIP taproom access, complimentary Paso Robles brewery tours for up to four guests. You get access to library beers and earlier Brewer Master Collective Exclusives. A lottery for a chance to purchase tickets to the 2024 Firestone Walker Invitational Beer Fest. Now, if you live... In California, Kentucky, Nebraska, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Pennsylvania, Vermont, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. I assume that they would ship the beers to you, but if you're in any of the other states, forget it. It ain't going to happen. Now, when we come back after a short break, a replay of an interview I did with Jim Cook from Samuel Adams. This is the Algatullo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer. <laughs> Welcome back to the Alcatulor Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer: Evil Fantasies from Judas Priest. Back on the twenty eighth of February in nineteen seventy nine, uh, this album was released. It was actually called Even- It was actually called uh, Killing Machine, but it featured the uh, iconic track Hellbent for Leather, which we played earlier in the show, and uh, really propelled Judas Priest to new heights as a band. It's also the last album, by the way, that drummer Les Binks played on. Dave Holland would replace him soon after. Now, earlier this week on that day actually, uh February 28th, I got a chance to sit down for a few minutes to talk with Jim Cook, as I like to call him the godfather of craft beer, the founder of Samuel Adams. They have a new remastered Boston Lager uh that is out now, uh that you can get. Just go to samueladams.com for more information on where you can locate that beer. And I uh, got a chance to talk with Jim uh for about 10 minutes and had some great fascinating stuff, not only to talk about the new remastered lager, but also about the beer industry in general and why it seems that loggers are making a bit of a comeback, which we've been talking about on this program for quite some time. So without further ado, here's the interview with me and Jim Cook from Samuel Adams. Boston Lager from Samuel Adams is as iconic as one of those big macro beers that we never talk about on this program. Joining me right now, and of course he's got a beer in his hand, is the man I like to call the godfather of craft beer, founder of Samuel Adams, Jim Cook. Jim, how are
2: you? I am doing great. Like you said, I got a beer in my hand, so life doesn't suck.
1: That's right. Jim, Boston Lager has been a staple for beer drinkers well over 30 years. Why change up such an iconic recipe?
2: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I got to say, this is not like New Coke and Old Coke. Remastering Boston Lager is more like, you know, you have this favorite song, favorite album. It's started to have a little snap, crackle, and pop on it. And and you remaster it by taking that original tape and cleaning it up, taking a little of the hiss out of it, getting it that much closer to perfect. That's what remastering Sam Adams was all about. And that's really part of a 38-year process of pursuing like this perfect Sam Adams Boston lager that I've always had in my mind, and I'm always trying to brew the perfect Boston lager. Mm -hmm.
1: Now, what will folks notice about Boston lager that has changed? Is it the color, the taste? What will they notice when it comes out of the tap or they pour it out of the bottle?
2: They're not going to notice a color change um, because we're using all the same ingredients in the same quantities. Um, They're not going to notice a huge taste change because we're using the same recipe. So we haven't changed the recipe, haven't changed the ingredients. What they will notice is a little tweak and uh, what they should sit and what they should taste is a brighter, smoother, cleaner, easier drinking Boston lager that just has a little bit of sparkle in the glass.
1: We're talking with Jim Cook, the godfather of craft beer, as I like to call him, from Samuel Adams right here on the Al Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, for more info on the remastered Boston Lager, you can go to SamuelAdams.com. Tastes change within craft beer, Jim, much more frequently than they did even 10 years ago, especially now, and especially in the younger crowd, between say, 21 and the mid-30s. Why do you think that is? Is it a fear of missing out, or is it something else?
2: Well, I think, you know, you've got a whole new generation of craft beer drinkers, they never knew a world where there wasn't craft beer. To them, craft beer has always been this huge part of the American beer landscape. So they are more educated, more experimental. And what we're seeing now is that the cohort is kind of getting IPA'd out. You know, they grew up on IPAs uh, and they're starting to get some hop fatigue and they're starting to get interested in the elegance of lager. So we're seeing a rediscovery of lager among craft beer drinkers. Lagers, of course, were, uh, like Sam Adams, among the, the foundational beers that started craft beer. And the last, like, 10 or 15 years have been all about... IPAs and hoppier and hoppier IPAs. And I think, you know, that's reached saturation. So lagers are being rediscovered for, you know, the longer aging times that they require to make them smoother, for the slower, colder fermentation that make them more complex. And there's a whole new world for somebody who's been, you know, just drinking IPAs and stuck in that IPA world, to see uh, a whole other part of the brewers' art. And,
1: and Jim, I wonder if the pandemic had something to do with that because brewers had more time since a lot of places were closed or they can only do uh, you know, takeout only. I wonder if that's changed the brewers' mindset to say, hey, look, you know what, we have 8-12 weeks. We can put a lager in the tank and we can let it sit there for a little bit longer and maybe have a new audience you know, rediscover these classics. Do you think that the pandemic had something to do with that?
2: You know, I think you might be onto something there because you're right. You know, brewers uh, you know, had tank capacity that they weren't using, at a, you know, at their tap rooms there was nobody showing up, uh, and they did have then the opportunity to devote the extra tank capacity to making loggers. You know, so instead of needing to make three batches of an IPA, they could make one batch of a lager and age it properly. Right.
1: Uh, we're talking with Jim Cook, the godfather of craft beer from Samuel Adams, right here on the Algotulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. For more information on their brand new remastered Boston lager recipe, just head over to SamuelAdams.com. Now, how has the brewing process changed in recent memory, Jim? Is it, is it more technical, or do the old school methods still have a place in the brewing world?
2: Well, both of those are true. Um, particularly as you know, as you grow and develop as a brewer, you know you need to start out mastering the fundamental brewing process, which hasn't changed for ten thousand years. Right. So you need to really be a great brewer uh, using the classic ingredients and the classic processes and master that. And then when you reach that level. Now, you know, you begin to express yourself in new ways. In some ways, I think it was like being a painter. You know, a painter has to master, uh, you know, drawing and draftsmanship as a, a beginner. They need to know how to draw a hand or a face uh, or the human body. But then, you know, you might get into more impressionistic, expressionistic stuff, where you start to look like Picasso. Uh, but the same thing is kind of true with the brewer's art. After you've mastered the basic stuff, you start branching out and thinking, well, maybe I could use this non-traditional ingredient, something nobody's ever put in beer before. Um, You know, we started putting chocolate in beer decades ago, and it was really interesting to try to figure out how do we, do that. I mean, you can't just like throw a Hershey bar in the boot kettle. (laughs) You've got to figure out at what stage of the chocolate-making process do you grab the ingredient. And for us, that was cocoa nibs, which are kind of the original primal form of chocolate before it gets ground up and mixed with sugar and milk and so forth. So we grabbed the cocoa nibs, and then we had to figure out, you know, where do you put it in? And we we, uh, figured out we need to put it in at the aging tanks so that it can steep in this solution of, of alcohol and water, which will draw out the the real heart of, of, of chocolate. So brewers, you know, for us, it's been part of our brewing journey to take new ingredients and find how to put them into the beer in, in unique ways. And we ended up with a, a chocolate box. the You know, chocolate Pilsner is really not that appealing, but a rich, smooth Bach benefits from those chocolate notes.
1: Absolutely. Jim, last question for me. You've helped so many people in the brewing world, and it doesn't matter the size of the company. You've always been there to lend a helping hand, you know, in, in the decades that you've been doing this. Why is it important for you to give back to the brewing community?
2: Well, you know, I started when craft beer was nothing. And we had to struggle. It was hard. You know, the big guys, they had all the market share. They didn't want to leave any room for us. It was hard getting a a bar to put your beer on because they never heard of it. I had no advertising. I had no promotional budget. I just had great beer. So I recognized that struggle with, you know, new people coming into craft brewing today. And, you know, I've, I've always felt that. We are we we craft brewers are of a single community and that community will either succeed together or not at all.
1: You know, Jim, that that is the best answer to that question because I see it in New Jersey where I live, I see it in other places how the brewing community always seems to band together. If you don't have enough grain, we can help you out. We'll lend you something. If you don't have enough of this, we'll lend you something. I've never seen it in any other business, and you are all going for the same piece of the pie, but but for some reason the brewing community seems to pull together every single time. It's a remarkable accomplishment, and I think it's wonderful and, you know, you started it and I think it's I think it's just a fantastic thing. My has been Jim Cook, the godfather of craft beer from Samuel Adams. We're here on the algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. The remastered Boston Lager is on shelves now you can get it and if you want to know where to get it just head over to SamuelAdams.com Jim, thanks so much for joining me. Best of luck with the remastered Boston Lager. I cannot wait to drink it.
2: Al you won't be disappointed and I appreciate the opportunity to have a beer with you
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much Jim Take care. Cheers when we come back after a short break for the next two segments, Matt Barbieri from Two Ton Brewing joins me from an interview that I did back in August. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. You know all the places you can follow me all over social media Twitter, but now it's X, Instagram, Threads, all that other nonsense. We won't get into all of that because if you don't know by now, then you don't know, and that's how it goes. Up next, though, we are coming to you from a wonderful brewery in Kenilworth, New Jersey. It's family-run, but that's not where they got their start here in Kenilworth. It actually started, if I'm not mistaken, in Linden, New Jersey. So we'll get into that in a minute. More on that in a moment. They're brewing some tasty brews literally three minutes off the Garden State Parkway. It's exit 138, in case you didn't know. Name of the brewery, Two Ton Brewing. Uh, they're open Wednesday through Sunday. The website for more info is TwoTonBrewing.com. Let me welcome to the Craft Beer Cast for the first time, actually. I know the guys have been open for a couple of years. I've been here only once. Amazingly, I live 10 minutes from here. And I've only been here once, but I've had their beers plenty of times. Matt Barbieri. Matt, thanks for having me here. How are you?
3: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
1: And so we are right now, we are sitting in the speakeasy. Now, before... Uh, The New Jersey ABC goes nuts uh, hearing speakeasy. There's only beer down here. There is no mixed drinks. There's nothing else. There's no food. So we want to make that quite clear. But um, we are sitting here in the speakeasy, and I'm going to get to that in in a couple of minutes. But your brother, Jim, who's the brewer, started as a, a home brewer. But your first beer that you sold commercially was back in 2015. It was an Imperial IPA called Hammer and Ale. What was it like to get that first sale and where did you brew that first beer? Was it was it Cypress?
3: Uh, so it was an incredible feeling. But the first time we brewed that commercial, it was actually at Climax Brewing, okay. uh, Roselle Park. Um, at the time, we, we were so excited. We got our license to, to wholesale, to be a gypsy brewer. And we were searching all over the state. And at the time, no one really wanted to take a contract. So Dave was nice enough to give us a shot. Uh, but yeah, by the end of it, we were brewing a lot of Cypress. Okay.
1: that's I, I knew Cyprus was in the mix uh, at some point. And both you and your brother have an education bra- background as well as your father. You were a special ed teacher. Your brother still works in the New Jersey school system as an administrator. How does that background translate to the brewery as a positive?
3: Um, that's a great question. I mean, I really think it, it ties into our customer service and the experience here. Uh, we know how to talk to people. We have a lot of experience working with kids, adults, and you know coworkers. So I think that just translates to our hospitality and like our, our feel here. We're a small family business. And we want everyone that walks through the door to, to really feel that and feel welcome and safe. And, uh, yeah, I think it translates in a positive way.
1: Uh, we're talking with Matt Barbieri, the CEO of Two Ton Brewing in Kenilworth, New Jersey. They're open Wednesday through Sunday. The website, for more information, twotonbrewing.com. We're here on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And one of the cool things you have here as we're sitting recording this interview is a speakeasy in the basement. It has a library feel to it, uh, a little spot that folks can can hang – um, is it always open to the public, or do you have to reserve it ahead of time?
3: yeah, good question we uh, We usually reserve it for private events, so we rent this out for private parties like birthdays, engagement parties, that sort of thing. Um, however, if it is super busy we 'll open it up for some spillover for the for the tap room and how many taps do you have down here? so we have four beer taps down here um, guests get their own bathroom, their own bartender, and uh, they can you know bring in catered food it fits about thirty five people and it 's just a nice different vibe than than the upstairs so
1: Okay, so this room continues on because I'm trying to describe this for people on the radio. So you come down here in the basement yep. there's a, a table with a couple of chairs. then you got a long bench with seating for about 12 people I would say and then it does it extend around the back or is that the bathroom is in the back that way? It doesn't go anywhere to the right, correct?
3: Uh, correct. That's just a sprinkler room. got it
1: got it And then you got a couple you got a, a barrel here for seats. you got the bar right up front. I mean it's a really cool feel. There's books all over the wall, sort of opened up and folded into pages. Um, and the guy who designed this for you guys, he's the one who came up with the idea of, of doing this with the books?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's correct. He's uh, my buddy from college, uh, Pavel Winnick. He's a very talented artist. He did the mural upstairs, uh, the mural in our beer garden, and then the uh, book installation as well.
1: All right. And you were kind enough, uh, Matt, uh, to pour me a beer, uh, a little taster, before we started. This is uh, – is this – what do you call it? I know it's a Kolsch, but what
3: is this again you called it? So we call this Sundeck Flex. It's a uh, ginger lime Kolsch. It's uh, one of our summer favorites here. It's got
1: a really nice ginger hit to it right at the very beginning without being oppressive. Like sometimes I think people – when you're adding things to beer, sometimes the tendency is to go heavy, and this is nice and light and super crushable.
3: Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. It's, uh, ginger's a great ingredient, but it's a, it's a fine line. It's easy to overdo it, so uh, we're, we're happy with how it came out. Now,
1: you guys are from Westfield originally. Was it always a plan to have a brewery here in Union County?
3: Yeah, that was the plan. Uh, we wanted to be close to home at, at the time when we opened. Uh, you know, We were in Linden, and then uh, we found this awesome location in Kenilworth. Uh, I was still living with my dad at the time in Westfield. Uh, but now my brother and I joke we're kind of kicking ourselves because he lives down a wall, and my wife and I are in Titton Falls. So now we're kind of wishing we opened up down the shore because the commute is a little bit longer. Really. But, uh, but it's been great. It's been great. We like it here.
1: Now, when you opened in Linden um... – it was a physical location, but it was not a tasting room. You were just you were just brewing beer in Linden. Describe to people, you know, because I think people now when they go to breweries, especially in New Jersey, it's usually you go to a tap room and it's a working brewery. There's a section where there's uh, beer stuff going on and then there's a section of a tap room. But you didn't do it that way. You actually rented a spot in Linden to just brew beer.
3: Uh, sort of yeah it 's mostly correct we we didn 't brew anything there, actually, so we were as gypsy brewers we 'd bring our recipes to other breweries and we and we 'd pay them, um so really, we just had a big walking cooler. Um, so we were kind of like a distributor. So we were paying other breweries to manufacture for us, put it in our recipe, uh, and then put it in our kegs and, and cans and stuff under our label and, and brand name. And then I would go solicit to all these bars and restaurants and try to get it out there.
1: And we're talking with Matt Barbieri, the CEO of 2 Tum Brewing here in Kenilworth, New Jersey. Open Wednesday through Sunday. Website for more info, com. They're on Facebook. They're all over the... Uh... Ah, uh, the internets or the webs—you uh, know all those cool things that uh, the kids like to say. I mean, listen, I'm an old fogey. What do you want? Um, I remember MySpace, so there you go. Um, but so, as a gypsy brewer, um, and I know and I've talked with the guys from Bolero about this for years before they opened up their facility. How much control did you have over the process of making your beer? Obviously, you're bringing them the ingredients. Sometimes the ingredients are already there, but from from start to finish. How much control did you actually have over the making of the beer
3: yeah that's a good question um, and that was one of the scariest parts is is you know we we're, we're there sometimes on brew days some some brews would allow us to be there and be part of the whole process, but you know once we leave for the day, there's still a lot that goes on on the cold side um, you know with monitoring fermentation and dry hops et cetera uh, so some brews let us in for a lot of that and, and uh, others it was just kind of a lot of a lot of faith and trust and uh thankfully we got a lot of really good batches and we started to learn which which people we liked working with more than others and uh, it was a lot of trial and error but uh, it was it was a great experience for us to to grow and start as a company
1: and then uh, finally eventually settling on this spot in kenilworth um what were some other towns in in union county that you looked at that you, i mean obviously you ultimately rejected but you know um the experience here in kenilworth itself but what were the other towns that you looked at originally uh before coming here
3: yeah, so I looked all over. I spent uh, probably eight to ten months uh, searching with with um, you know various uh, realtors and just trying to find the right location. We looked all over. I looked at Mountainside, Roselle Park, Union, Cranford, Westfield, um, Scotch Plains, Berkeley Heights. You name it. I looked all over. And with breweries, there's such a unique uh, – there's so many needs that we that – we, you know, there's so many things that we have to have with, um, you know, the the ceiling height and the power and the water and the the zoning, the ordinances. The town has to be okay with it. The building owner has to be okay with it. And we just kept running into so many roadblocks until Kenilworth was finally so business-friendly. They were like, yes, please, come. We'll help you make it happen.
1: And it's, it's great because Kenilworth does have a really nice industrial area, which is sort of where you need to be. But you're almost – you're, I mean, you're not that far from the center of town where all of the shops are, so you're not that far away. And it's easy access to the parkway, which is great. I mean, literally, it's a, it's a two-minute, you know, you make a, a, a left and a right, and you're on the parkway. Um, how helpful has the town of Kenilworth been uh, since you've been here?
3: They've been great. They've been phenomenal. Uh, we couldn't ask for a better town, really. I mean, the, the mayor, the chief police, the fire department, everybody is so supportive. Um, we like to do a lot of fundraisers and philanthropies and give back, um, and they've, they've just been great.
1: And you know, Matt, you did do one uh, just recently. I remember I saw on, on social media. I think it was on Facebook. Um, the garage that was over here, they had a massive fire. Right there was a, there's an auto, I guess, a, a repair shop or whatever. Had a massive fire, and you guys did a fundraiser for them. How did that work out?
3: It worked out well. I mean, it's it's completely tragic. I, I feel so bad for for John and Perfection Plus Auto next door. They're they're great people. They've been phenomenal neighbors, and it just. It's just so heartbreaking to see. As a business owner, I, I can only imagine what it's like to just lose everything like that, uh, you know, overnight, essentially. It's just it's heartbreaking. Um, but we were able to raise, you know, um, some money for them and, uh, it, 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 you know, just doing what we can to give back. I just, I just feel so bad for them. Yeah.
1: All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more from Matt Barbieri, the CEO of Two Tone Brewing here in Kenilworth, New Jersey. TwoToneBrewing.com uh, is the website for more information. Some tougher questions from Matt. He, th- he thinks I was going to be easy. On- I mean, not so tough. I mean, it's mostly stuff about uh, Governor Murphy and the ridiculous uh, beer bill that he refuses to sign. I'm going to get Matt's take on it. And uh, what's going on in the rest of uh, what's happening here at Two Ton uh, coming up, like new beers and all kinds of stuff like that. We're going to do that in just a moment on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer. Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beercast on AM 970. The Answer, we're coming to you from Kenilworth, New Jersey, uh, Union County, the home of Two Ton Brewing, which has been here since late 2018. Matt Barbieri, the CEO, rejoins me on the program. Now, Matt, the beer bill was passed by both houses unanimously just before the July 1 budget deadline. Governor has signaled he will not sign it and conditionally veto it with some things he would like to see in, in it that, in my opinion, w- really has no chance of passing and the bill is going to die at the end of the year because the way it, the way it works here, for those who don't know, in a lame duck session, uh, there is the, the, um, both the um, Assembly and the Senate are out of session now. They will be out of session until after the election. They're not returning until about a week after the election. So they're going to have about six weeks, basically, to try and put this through unless they have to come back early for something else. So more than likely, what Governor Murphy wants is not going to happen in this bill. What is your opinion on this whole situation?
3: It's really frustrating. Um, it's it's brutal to be honest. I mean we're we're struggling. I can only speak for, for myself here at Tuton and, and my business, but you know, these restrictions we're we're still recovering from COVID and uh supply chain and inflation and we're just trying to make a living and get by and stay open to be honest and it's just so frustrating that he won't sign the bill. I mean, I had the chance to meet him actually earlier this year. I got invited to uh, a round table on liquor license reform. And I actually got to meet him and talk to him and it seemed like he was on board. And, uh, and now it just seems like we're a part of this greater reform and we're just kind of like a bargaining chip, but it's like our businesses are on the line here. So it's really frustrating. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, he, he, I think he went on record saying like, if we went through the proper channels, he would, he would sign it. And yet we did that. And the public has been amazing. We've been so supportive calling and, and, uh, reached out to all the, you know, the senators and governors and everything. And I mean, mayors and everything, and he still won't sign it. Even though we went through all the proper channels, we did everything right. And it's just very frustrating. He's just hurting small business. And,
1: and, and that's the, that's the tough thing. And I think that people don't seem to understand how is it as a small business? Can you plan for the future? If you don't even know if the rules are going to go back to where you know, where they were before July 1, after January 1, who knows what's going to happen here. Now, the Attorney General, Matt Placken, announced shortly after this whole thing where the bill wasn't signed that the ABC was suspending enforcement of the special ruling through the end of the year, which is the end of the current legislative term. Now, Jennifer Sciottino, a spokesperson for the Murphy administration, cited that move saying it provides the relief brewery owners had been Largely seeking under the bill. In the meantime, uh, is it really providing relief for your business or is it affecting your business adversely?
3: I mean, it provides a little bit of relief for for a couple months, but, you know, that still leaves so much uncertainty that what what the future holds. I mean, I'm not trying to compete with Applebee's and, and, uh, you know, serve $2 Bud Lights and, and, you know, crappy mozzarella sticks. We're just trying to have a, a nice brewery where families can come in, you know, people can bring their kids, their dogs, you know, we see a lot of date nights and stuff like that. We're really not trying to be open till 2am and, and have this crazy bar scene. We're just totally different uh, business model than bars. So, I don't understand why they can't just like give us a little breathing room, and it's just really hard to operate with it with all that uncertainty for the yeah. future.
1: And, and the and the location that you're in is very difficult for you to host a food truck or something like that. I know some breweries have you know they're advertising food trucks that are coming to their place or whatever this and that. the The way the logistics work out for your uh, for your place, it would be tough to have a food truck in front of here. I mean, you could do it. But it would, be, it would be a little difficult, and I know that some breweries are just saying, you know what? Screw the rules. I'm just going to do what I want. Let them come after me. I don't care. Uh, but you haven't seen anybody from the ABC that's enforcing anything or doing anything that's adversely affecting your business, correct?
3: Yeah, correct. Not personally here. Um, we, we've been – we pride ourselves in doing everything by the book since the beginning. I mean, my, my transit insignia on my car is 0001. <laughs> I was like one of the <laughs> first people to get it. Right. So we've been doing everything by the book, and I see other people you know, kind of playing a little more fast and loose – but at some point, we're like, well, we got to survive, so right. we're, we're going to have to take some chances. So, it, you know, we we, we got to do what we can, and it's just really hard, with all the uncertainty.
1: Understood. Talking with Matt Barbieri, the CEO of Two-Ton Brewing in Kenilworth, New Jersey. They're open Wednesday through Sunday. Website for more info, twotonbrewing.com. We're here on the Algatullo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer now, Ickers recently launched a beer called Sign the Bill, Phil. And we're asking for other breweries to use the label and make their own version of it. 25% of the proceeds would help the Brewers Guild of New Jersey to keep things moving. Any chance Two Ton brews that beer at some point?
3: Uh, It's definitely a possibility. Um, I I love the idea. We're we're actually members of the uh, Brewers Association, the New Jersey Brewers Association. Um, But there is a possibility.
1: Okay. Uh, Finally, um, oh, not so much finally, but we still have a couple of minutes here. But what is coming out soon from Two Ton that we can tell the folks why they should come here and have a few pints?
3: Well, as much as I love the summer, I'm really excited for the fall. I mean, the fall is like beer drinking season. It's our bread and butter. We have our anniversary. We have a lot of fun events coming up. And for me, it's like my favorite time of year for beers too. So uh, speaking of hammer and ale, we're going to be bringing that back. We're going to be brewing that and releasing it in cans for our anniversary, if not sooner. Uh, We have a pumpkin beer coming out. We have an Oktoberfest, a Mirtzen, a Marzen. Um, And uh, what else do we have? Just a couple other great fall beers, our Chocolate Porter. so we should have a nice variety for the fall.
1: And, and, you know, for those that don't understand, I mean, it is August and everyone starts screaming when they see the Oktoberfest beers and the pumpkin beers come out. But from a from a business standpoint, you have to get those beers out early because if you wait until October to get those beers out, uh, it's too late. Then you've got October beers sitting, you know, in January and February. You want that supply to be done uh, by the end of October, the beginning of at the very least by Thanksgiving, you want that stuff to be over with, correct?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, it's it's important to plan ahead with production, especially because the beer ferments our ales and lagers at you know different rates and times. So it's uh, you know like you said, we definitely don't want to be serving pumpkin like at Christmas. <laughs>
1: um, you know, talk to me a little bit about you know we 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 just talk, we touched on it briefly about from a business standpoint in planning for the future and you're talking about yourself as your own business that you're hurting because of these restrictions even before they said listen we're going to loosen the rules but six months is not enough time to make up for what happened uh you know during the pandemic every business is hurting inflation it's it's tougher to get money from a bank to try and you know even if you wanted to build out or whatever the interest rates are too high what do you do as a business to help the bottom line is it going to more bars to try and get your beer in more bars is it you know doing festivals is it trying to do something unique that gets people in the doors i mean i'm you know i'm sure you have a you get a great crowd on the weekends and stuff is it bringing in music what what's the i don't want to say what the secret is but what's the what's the elixir that gives you that balance that helps you to make a little bit more money and stay consistent
3: yeah it's a great question i mean we've we've tried to get creative uh, to answer questions to just to keep things going i mean I've personally taken a pay cut so that my employees can so we, uh, can we can retain them you know so we don't have to let anybody go um, because I love our team here and I'm really proud and thankful to have them um, but for us uh, we like I said we had to get creative so we partnered with um, the Asbury Fest Hall and Beer Garden down the yeah. shore. Um, we're now brewing their house beer. Uh, that's been huge for us. Been, had it. It's good. I like it. Thank you. Appreciate it. They're, they've been a great customer. Um, and then our friends at Galloping Hill, right around the corner, we started brewing a, uh, an American Pale Ale for them as well, uh, grounds under repair, and they seem to really like that as well. So little things like that are a huge help. Just a steady, like brewing a beer that you know is almost pre- is pre-sold. It's really helpful.
1: Right. Now at Galloping Hill, are you talking about at the, the catering hall or at, the, uh, at Five Points, the hot dog place as well?
3: Uh, it's at I think it's called the Knot um, or Galloping Hill Restaurant Tavern. They have uh, their own bar and restaurant inside the uh, inside the building.
1: Those hot dogs, by the way, if you want the best hot dogs in New Jersey, uh, it, yeah, everybody says Ruts Hut and whatever. If you want a ripper, that's great. Just go over to Five Points, right over here in Gall- the Galloping Hill. It's a catering hall, but then there's a little uh, tiny spot that's right there uh, that you go in. It's probably some of the best. Hot dogs and I don't eat a lot of hot dogs, but when I want one, that's where I go to get my hot dog. I'll have a ripper every once in a while, but that is a great spot uh for a hot dog. I have had that beer at um you know the Fest Hall in Asbury Park. That is a delicious beer and I'd love to see you guys do more of that stuff. I know they get the traditional German stuff. Um, but that's really cool that you're partnering with them. I mean, listen, I know it's a hike for you guys because you're brewing up here and you have to bring it all the way down there. Yeah. Uh, but that's really cool because there are other breweries in the area there, and you guys jumped in on that pretty quickly. So that is really cool, and it's got to be a great relationship.
3: Yeah, absolutely. They they've been awesome, and you you know you nailed it. They, there's a lot of other great breweries and there's bigger breweries, quite frankly, that are much closer. But um, they, I met with them, and they really liked our product. They liked our story, and uh, they, you know we've been consistent for them. So I think that really that really helps the relationship. But see,
1: that's the thing, folks, about beer and what brings people together. It's about the relationships. You can you can be a big beer company. I mean, earlier this week we had Tilray Brands uh, buying out a bunch of uh, you know craft breweries that uh, AB InBev had bought, and who knows what they're going to do with them. I'm, my hope is that they. I don't want to say bring them back to their former glory because they've, they're still brewing the same beer. It's just people didn't want to buy them because they were AB InBev, but now they're not a part of that anymore. And you'd hope to see some, you know, market share rise. But to me, that's the, the, the great thing about this business and about what you guys do is that it's about relationships. You're all fighting for the same piece of the pie. But in the end, You're all there to help one another out in whatever way that you can do. And that's got to be a great feeling at the end. I know you and your brother, you know, your father, the education background wanting to help people. That's got to, that's got to make you feel awesome every time that something like that happens.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean the, the craft beer industry, the the best part about it is, is the community, both the people, the customers, but honestly the um, like other breweries as well. I'm friends with so many other brewery owners or, or people that work at breweries in the state and they're just so supportive and so helpful. And, It's just, it's just a great community. We're just happy to be part of it.
1: And then, Matt, my last question. um, I know that you guys used to do a lot of festivals, and I haven't seen you around in the festival circuit for quite some time. Uh, Are you going to start doing those things again, or is it just from a production standpoint that hey, we're pumping out enough beer that we can keep things afloat, and we just want to hold back for a little bit until you know we can sort of right the ship.
3: Yeah, we've been a little more picky uh, about which festivals we we participate in, to be honest. Um, and it's kind of funny our our tent got destroyed at AC Beer Fest. <laughs> so, oh wow! From the wind outside of Bitterfield. Oh, uh, um, the Saturday. Yeah. Oh. So we, uh, you know, we're kind of we got to recover from that, but uh, but we'll be back out there.
1: I have never seen a June day where it was so brutal because that was the day I was down there where the wind was so bad that any any vendor who brought. Sweatshirts and long-sleeve shirts made a killing, and everyone was saying, everyone that I talked to were like, next year we're bringing long-sleeve shirts, and you know it's going to be like 900 degrees, if indeed John actually has it uh, at Bader Field. I know the field was sold, and some developers are supposed to be building houses in an e-racetrack. I don't know how that's going to go over, but... Whatever, that's Atlantic City's problem. Um, my guest has been Matt Barbieri, the CEO of 2 Ton Brewing in Kenilworth, New Jersey. They're open Wednesday through Sunday. Come on down here. It's right off the Garden State Parkway, Exit 138, a very quick trip. It's very If you're anywhere in Union County, uh, easy to get to, and it's easy to get to from anywhere if you have access to the Garden State Parkway. The website for more info here, 2 Matt, thank you for having me here and uh, joining me for a couple of segments. I very much appreciate it.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: My thanks to everybody involved in the show, including my guests, Jim Cook and Matt Barbieri from Two Ton Brewing. Of course, Jim Cook from Sam Adams. And of course, last but not least, the great buddy Watson. Back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. This has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. Cheers, everybody.